Hello, creators. Save the date for our 2024 Creator Circle Retreat happening September 23rd through 26th in Vancouver, Washington, United States. Registration is open and the early bird deadline is March 15th. The 2024 Creator Circle Retreat will be four days of restoration and rejuvenation for yourself and your business. And you can find all of the details at wellnesscentercreators.com slash retreats, where you can also click to apply. As always, feel free to email with questions anytime at kendall at wellnesscentercreators.com. And lastly, it's important to note that the retreat is limited to 20 people and everyone from last year is getting ready to register again. So jump on it. As health and wellness providers, we know that better patient outcomes require a whole person, multidisciplinary approach that we just can't provide on our own. That's why I've started the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I'll be bringing you interviews with experts, tips, tricks, secrets, resources, systems, and solutions so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And creating your wellness center won't feel like starting over. Many of you are familiar with the name, but if it's new to you, Jane is a HIPAA-compliant, all-in-one practice management software and the sponsor of our show today. The team at Jane know your time is valuable, and they've designed online intake forms to help you reduce admin work so that you can take back your treatment time. Whether you need to collect patient or client data, insurance policy information, health history, or consents, Jane's online intake forms offer a safe and secure way to gather everything you need before your patients walk through the door. You can also collect payment details securely through your intake form via Jane's PCI compliant payment solution, saving your patients time at checkout. To learn more about how Jane's intake forms can help, head to jane.app/guide to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their team. If you're ready to get started, you can use the code wellness1mo at the time of sign up to get a one month grace period applied to your new account. Welcome back everyone to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. Today on the show, we have Jeff Russell. Jeff, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Kendall. Looking forward to be on. Jeff, let's start with you uh, telling our audience just a bit about yourself and how you got to be doing what you're doing now. Well, there's a long version and a short version. The the shortish version is I grew up in an army family, so moved around every two to three years. So where I'm saying that is I wasn't one of the Rockefellers, didn't have a silver spoon in my mouth, um, you know, learned really the, the value of working hard. Um, but one thing I didn't learn is how to create a business. And so when I graduated college, I did what you're supposed to do, get a, you know, get a job in a fortune 500 company, or in my case, it was probably a fortune 10 company back then. It was Xerox, which was, uh, back then was a big, huge monster company. It's interesting how we can see, you know, now the big guys are Amazon and, and Google and, you know, who didn't exist when I graduated college. And from that, I, I found myself getting 
you know, kind of laid off, packaged out after about three, four years. And after one of those packages, uh, my counselor said, you know, Jeff, you actually shouldn't work for someone else. You should start your own business. And I'm like, well, okay, but I have no idea how to do that. And so I, uh, they recommended, well, you can look at franchises or business opportunities or someone to help you since you don't know anything about business at all. And I decided, okay, I would do this business opportunity and I would be an equipment leasing broker. And I soon specialized into medical equipment. And so that was my entry into medicine. So not what I thought. I went to school, my undergrads in computer science. I'm a coder. But one thing that I take to every day, and one of the reasons I think I'm so successful, is that coding taught me logical problem solving and flow in systemization. Because you can't just throw a bunch of code lines in there and expect it to work. There's rules and there's regulations that uh, if this happens, this will be the result. Not what you want it to be, but that will be the result. So it was very important to systemize things. And so I kind of used that and doing the business opportunity, they taught me this is the business, this is what you have to do. And I quickly systemized it. And that was the first business. If we flash forward to today, I've got five businesses um, I work 10 days a month. That's my thing. You know, I've got everything from medical clinics to medical training companies to a family office to in fi- the equipment financing company as well. So what I've kind of built was an add on, right? I started in my medical financing and then went to train doctors and physicians and healthcare providers and then kind of uh, progressed that way. So. It's uh, a road, uh, not a straight line. (laughs) It rarely is. And it's really, it's an amazing journey you've had. I'm excited to talk to you. And I think, as you've probably experienced by now, healthcare providers oftentimes are lacking the systems in business. And it's because we're not taught anything about business in school. Um. So I think I think our listeners will find this conversation very valuable. Uh, so I'd love to start. Why do you say that practice owners should have the mindset to fire themselves from their practice? Well, many times when we start a business, right, and and I consider a practice is a business. It's a small business. It could be quite large, but typically, I think your practices are going to be three to nine people. You know, sometimes you have some larger ones, 30, 40 people. So you're basically running a small business and you've got to treat it like that. And when you have this small business, often we're doing it and we're grinding it and we're working in it. But we also expect when we're done and we want to retire that there's value there. And so if you create a practice that requires you to be there day to day, you've actually devalued your retirement future. And so I'd like them to think of the future of, and I say this, who not you. So whenever you do anything in your practice, think about in the next six months, nine months, could be two, three years, who's going to do this? It's not going to be you because that's what's going to give you the value in your business when you go to exit. Or you can do what I do with my businesses and I I love them. Like I love my medical clinic. I love my training companies. I like speaking. And so why would I give those up? 
And so in my case, I basically set my businesses and practices up to run without me, and they generate revenue whether I'm there or not. It's kind of like an ATM. You know, in my latest book, Fire Yourself First, I talk about the four steps of that I went through to kind of get that freedom. Because in one of my businesses, I was offered $10 million for it, which was a fair valuation. This is a couple of years ago. But that's when it really triggered this thought process. Okay, what would I do next? I'm like, okay, enjoy what I'm doing. So why would I quit doing it? And so I got out of the things I hated doing in the business. And then I got other people to do those who enjoy doing them. And now I only participate in the activities that really bring me joy in my business. So you may think grinding it is necessary. And I think it is at the beginning. You've got to know your business. You've got to know your patient. You've got to know how the processes work. But then you doesn't mean you have to stay in that role. You know, for five, 10, 20 years, you can certainly exit out of there. Right. I agree with you. And it's, it's really important that we do go through those steps and that we know all the roles in the company before we try to exit them. But I think it's, it's probably one of the most common mistakes I see with clinic owners is building the business initially, really based on their the revenue that they're producing personally, and it's really hard to get out of. And uh, the when I started my clinic, I did this by accident. I didn't do it for the right reason, but I started my clinic to be self-sustaining without me because of my own health, um, my own chronic illness. I created it in a way where, you know, if I'm not able to work because of my illness, then this still needs to run. And so, but I didn't have the business sense at that time <laughs> to do it for the, the business reasons. <laughs> um, but so it kind of accidentally happened that way. Um, but it is, it's the trap that most of us fall into for sure. And I think you nailed it exactly. So much of this happens by accident. I opened my practice up 11 years ago and I had a full-time job and my partner had a full-time job and we were like, okay, how are we going to do this? And so we, we set it up at the beginning to use extenders, right? To utilize medical people that are, um, are capable and within their scope of practice to do the procedures. So we did that just because we kind of had to, and we wanted this private practice on its own. But then we realized after, and we just started with one person, right? Like some people think, oh, I've got to hire five people. It's like, no, right. you may be able to start with one part-time person. And then when that person goes to full-time and then hire another person. So you don't have to go big or go home, like grow smartly like yeah. slowly. And now we utilize ChatGPT and these AI tools, which we never did before. So they're actually leveraging technology so we can actually do more and work less as well. So it's quite interesting. But you have to have the provider there, right? Like without the provider, ChatGPT AI doesn't mean anything. So Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so you talked about kind of these four steps. What do you think is the most important first step a practice owner should take to create the practice that can run without them? The first step is 
really to come clear with your personal purpose. And so many people, we've got a purpose for our business. Oh, we're going to be the, you know, the, the number one provider in our area, our community. And we want to grow this and we want to do that. But often, and this is what that 10 million, when somebody writes you a check where you can walk away, you think, okay, what is important? Because it's not the practice and it's not the money. It's the, you know, you want to have the money. Trust me, I'm not giving that money up. I'm just not ready for it today maybe in five or 10 or 15 years in the future. And so many people are not clear on their personal why and why they're doing what they're doing. I know I went into business and in medicine to help people. And most providers went into practice to help people. So that's awesome, right? So who are you going to help next? Right. So you can put in systems in your practice to have help your patients, but who's going to help you? And one of the unfortunate things is one of the triggers of my last book, Fire Yourself First, was that last August we had um, an event in Scottsdale, Arizona, and people were all showed up. We're doing live training and on uh, and it's a Friday to the Monday. And on the Friday, we had one person didn't come in from Flagstaff. He was an emergency room physician. And so wasn't too worried because, you know, you get on calls, you got a late case. So, you know, maybe he didn't make it. It wasn't, you know, hey, it didn't happen. So we weren't too worried. The next day was Saturday and then he didn't show up as well. And then I'm like, hmm, that's a bit weird because most people who make this investment in our training they come, right? This is a serious investment. Then I'm like, okay, I asked my team to just, you know, follow up. Maybe it was in an auto accident or something, you know, that prevented him. Let's get him rescheduled to the next one. It's not a problem. Uh, but I just want to make sure he's okay. And then maybe about a week or two later, we got a call from his wife and he actually had committed suicide three days before the event. Yeah. And that was when I realized and when we were talking with her, she was like, he was coming to your event because he was so burnt out in the ER that he was looking for a way out to diversify and have a private practice so that he can enjoy medicine. And really, at least he didn't want to get totally out, but he wanted a day or two where he could do happier medicine and yeah. really help people that wanted to be helped. And so I didn't realize the providers and business owners actually have some of the highest suicide rates. And it's because Absolutely. we're not, we get, we get grind into our daily grind and it just is too much. And the purpose of the book was that, look, we can put in a few simple steps and you can have the practice that runs without you. So don't worry. Like you're, what you're doing is going to be useful in the future, but we can just make some tweaks because in medical school, they didn't teach you how to create a business. Right. They just taught you how to basically grind it out and work. And maybe that worked in the 1950s when Medicare, Medicaid and insurance paid you. But now insurance hardly doesn't like to pay. There's always an excuse. The CPT code's not working. So it's a whole different environment than it used to be. Yeah. So personal purpose. What do you really want to be to your family and your friends and your future is, I think, the key because you've got to see beyond you beyond your business to really start the process. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you sharing that story. And I think it's an important reminder 
you know, the clinic owners often and just healthcare providers in general feel very isolated because we feel like we should be able to help ourselves. We're experts in this field. And so we should be able to do it on our own as a provider. And then as a business owner, it can just feel very isolating, right? And this is where the push for, you know, having a mentor, having a coach, having a community of um, clinic owners around you who are in the same role as you, because you won't ever feel that same type of support from your employees or even your family at home, because they don't understand the world of healthcare in the same way that you do. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, uh, you nailed it. It's very isolating because sometimes your colleagues, they're not thinking beyond, right? They're just, maybe their heads are down, they're just grinding it. And you're now looking up and you're going, oh, there's more, right? So you've got to find the right connectors to get you there. And I agree, a coach, a mentor is critical because they're going to, you know, they're going to accelerate you getting to the next level so much quicker. It's not something I do, right? Like we have for our medical training, we do workshops and we teach hands-on clinical training. But I see that and I always encourage them to kind of network between themselves, get a coach, someone, you know, that you can run things by and knows what you're going through. Because what you're going through is normal. And I, I try and tell them that, right? Like I, I surveyed all of our customer, uh, providers who've attended our program and the number one fear or that they all have is actually fear like fear of the unknown mm-hmm. financial fear right it's all fear based right yeah. so and why because we don't know it's something you may never have done before you've never run a practice or a business on your own so it's fearful but trust me once you start talking with people who've done it mm-hmm. it's not as bad like the all of a sudden the curtain comes down it's like oh okay it's not as mysterious as i thought it was when i really didn't know much exactly or you did get it figured out and then we had a global pandemic and then you had to change the way you were doing everything right <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We've got to love change, right? Um, so why uh, do you think so many practice owners just continue to grind year after year and stay in a kind of cycle that isn't really working, but they're still doing it? Because I think people feel comfortable in doing what they know. And so you're very good at it. Maybe you've been doing it two, three, 10, 20 years. So you know it. You kind of know the, the patients, the type of patients you're going to have, type of treatment protocols that you have. So it's very comforting, but it's really not going to get you to that next level. And it's almost the herd mentality, right? We 80% of the people do what 80% of the people do right? Which is just, and it's like what I was taught with my dad in the army. You get up, you go, you're in work at 8 a.m., you do your shift, right? You're done at four or five. His case, maybe he's on deployment and gone for months. But, you know, we're taught that's how we're supposed to do it, is to do the nine to five. And I find it's very, very important. The first thing anyone should do if they want to fire themselves is take Friday off every single Friday. No patience. Do not do that. And I want you to spend that time thinking, thinking just about whatever, right? It really doesn't matter because I find 
once you have that thinking time, you can kind of see opportunities right in the future. I like to think in three years, what would I be doing, right? How's my practice going to look? Is AI going to replace me? You know, so are they going to do psychotherapists? AI, like so. How's oh, they're already do? They're already trying to do it. These big companies. I don't. We. I could talk for hours about how (laughs) horrible (laughs) of an idea that is, but (laughs) I digress. I, I know, but yeah, so it's good because that's when you start to see, oh, if I do this plus this, it creates a unique situation for me. So many people feel that they have to be in the office first in, last out, you know, to work their 10 hours, brag to everybody they're doing 60 hours a week and grinding it, but you're actually not helping anyone, right? Yeah. Soon it'll catch up with you and have that extra day. Um, and maybe you start with two days a week or two days a month off or something. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. I started working 30 days, went to 25, 20, and now I'm at 10. Took a year and a half to get there, but now it's, you know, it's, it's working better. I'm, the practice is doing way better without me. And so yeah. that's another thing. Our ego <laughs> sometimes think that only we can do it. But everybody has a unique ability, a unique kind of way of doing things. So even us, so my uniqueness is not, re- you know, repeatable or replicatable, but your team's uh, uniqueness, I can't do that. And so we kind of have to embrace that everybody does things a bit differently and maybe they handle these type of patients better than I would. And over here, this person does this better than I. And that's how you really kind of build that comfort that you can leave and things will be okay. Yeah. And you you talked about it a little bit ago, right? It doesn't happen overnight. It's a it ha- it's organic growth, titration, you know, planning this out in advance. But a lot of this has to do with staffing and hiring the right people, right? Mm-hmm. Like we really can't exit out of that day-to-day role if we don't have the right people in place. So what do you think practice owners can do to ensure they're hiring the right people? This is the most difficult part of any business, right? So don't, this is not practice specific. This is any business, any industry. Uh, People are the most difficult part. You know, until I win the Powerball, I'm going to have to know how to manage people and patients, right? So that, let's just take that as going to be the reality at the moment. And so I hired everyone from psychopaths to like, TA players and everyone in between. And it really bothered me. Like, how can I hire someone so amazing here? And then over here, they're like a pathological liar who's manipulating and stealing from me. It's like how, like, I'm the same person, I did the same hiring process, but I got totally different results. And so one thing that I learned was, number one, we have to realize this, payroll is the biggest expense of any business. So you need to allocate as much time as that costs you to learn about it. So I probably spent a year listening to podcasts and reading books and going to seminars on how to hire. And what I discovered was there's a process. There's a process in everything. And in my book, Fire Yourself First, I give you an 11-step hiring guide. And actually, if you go to my website for the book, fireyourselffirst.com, you can download that for free, like right now. You have that. And I found 
many times we don't know what questions to ask and we don't know why we're asking them and how we bring people on. So for example, I had a a position open up. I had 678 applicants. Okay. Even if I spent 30 seconds per person, that would chew up my 10 days. I work a month and I was not going to do that. And so I asked two or three questions And so I'll ask a question like, what have you done to improve your knowledge in the last year? Because for me, and I think any business, especially how fast technology is changing, you need to be a natural learner, right? So I'm trying to see, are you someone who will go out on their own, will listen to a podcast and learn something? Because if I'm going to have a practice where I'm not going to be there, I'm not a critical part of it, and it's going to run without me, I need people that are self-motivated. And self-motivated people are generally self-learners. If they don't know something, they will Google it, they'll chat GPT it, they'll find the answers. And that's really something that I want. Now, because I'm in medicine, I need to make sure they're detail-oriented because they may be charting patients. And so one of my questions will be, if... um, Please address the covering letter to Jeff Russell and include your salary expectations. So out of that 678, I got like 32 that actually did those two steps. So that made it really easy because most people, and this is sad to say, they're just looking for a job. They want to make the most amount of money for the least amount of work. And as an owner, you do not want those people. You want someone who genuinely values people and wants to help people. Doesn't matter if they're in accounting or they're a provider um, seeing patients. They need to want to help people. And so those two questions kind of get rid of them. And that's like just step one. And then, you know, I'll ask them, why did you... uh, why did you apply? What do you know about us? Well, if they've done no research on you, do you really want that person working for you? And so in this 11-step guide, I actually give you all the questions I ask and why I'm asking them and what I'm looking for. So, And so the, the really good manipulators and the cheaters and the liars, they know that normal questions that get asked, they know how to respond to them. But in the fifth or sixth step, I'll trick them up. And that's when I know, okay, that's the cuckoo detector. I just found you. Uh, So you can't, don't just hire quickly and then you have to fire. Really take your time, you know, learning the person, uh, learning about them because I can train attitude, but I can, sorry, I can't. I can't train attitude and personality, but I can certainly train them on the tactics of how to do a job. Exactly. Yeah, I always say, you know, because all all the clients I'm working with these days are clinic owners, and they're they want to know how to hire, and they want to know how to hire all the different providers and all the different modalities. And the number one thing I say is, we I go straight to asking questions that get at personality and integrity before we do anything having to do with the clinical side of, you know, doing the massage or doing the therapy session or anything like that. It's what type of person is this? And, you know, are they going to be honest? Are they going to be passionate about life and, and the type of care we're doing? And are they going to be a person that we want to be around because we are around each other a lot, right? And we do that screening process. I love that you do those initial questions 
And even if we get five applicants total or 10 applicants total, we send a list of between five to seven screening questions on the fir- very first step. And we, we were super direct and we weed out, you know, anyone who with, you know, those pieces that are going to be deal breakers for us. Right. Um, and the people that aren't going to put in effort to even respond or send the cover letter or whatever it is. Yeah, no, and we're lucky now that technology is better. So if you use a job board like Indeed or something like that, you can create your questions, which makes it easier to do. So absolutely. I think the biggest thing that I've seen is people who don't fill out the forms take the time. They're also the ones who don't chart well. They're the ones that you end up losing. So don't waste your time. They're good talkers. And that's what you have to be mindful of. Mm -hmm. You're not looking for a good talker. You're looking for a good doer that can talk right? So, uh, you know, show us what you do, not, you know, what you say, right? Yeah. Okay. So as we close here, I'm wondering if you have any strategies to help practice owners who are listening, if they're, you know, if they're struggling to really manage their role in their practice alongside living their life. Yeah, the big first thing to think about is that it may, you may be grinding it and this seems overwhelming at the moment. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. But now you have to make the commitment that you're going to actually take the journey and it's going to be uncomfortable just because you've never done that journey before. So this is a time you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone. And the good thing is you've done way more difficult things in your past and what you did when you started your practice than what's ahead of you. So you've done the hard stuff. Now let's just kind of learn and follow and create the steps needed so that you can slowly extricate you. If there's one thing you leave with this podcast, think about who, not you. So whenever you do anything in your practice, I want you to think who can do this, not you. Just because you're the only licensed provider doesn't mean there's other aspects of the patient interaction that you don't have to do. You can bring someone else in or you can, again, create, you know, hire providers. So your big goal may be, I need to extricate myself. So I want to hire three providers in the next year and make it reasonable for you. You shouldn't lose sleep over this, but you need to start moving forward. And if business is really uncomfortable for you, maybe look at um, hiring a, you know, consultant or a, a coach to get you there. You know, as long as they've done this before, they're going to help you get there so much faster. And I try to outline everything in my book. It's a simple read and it's fire yourself first. And you can go to fireyourselffirst.com and there's audible and the print book and there's lots of little uh, tips. So if you want to create your personal why, there's a clarity map to help you. The 11 step hiring guide is there. So just slowly absorb this stuff on your time, but make the commitment. Jeff, this has been an awesome conversation. I'm really excited, you know, that we had the chance to talk today. And I encourage all the listeners to check out your book and the website and the resources. Uh, It just sounds like some really great tangible tools. Thank you. It was great being on your show. Thanks so much for listening to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. 
please visit our website at wellnesscentercreators.com for more show notes and additional episodes. By the way, I love hearing from listeners. Please send me an email at Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L-L, at wellnesscentercreators.com with your feedback. And if you send me a question, maybe I'll read it on the show, anonymously, of course. Thanks so much again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Wellness Center Creators Podcast.